Welcome to The Realist Uncensored, where we're bringing you real fucking issues, real fucking opinions. I'm Checkers, and over there, as always, is MJ. What's going on, everybody? Listen on your favorite podcast directory, YouTube, and Rumble. All right. So today's format is going to be the Realist Weekly Wrap-Up. we got a few other formats. If it's your first time listening to the show, we have Wednesday's show, which is the Realist Unwrap. Then we have uh, a Monday show when MJ wants to release it. It's Message Mondays. Then we have holiday specials and important dates to the country. Yes. Oh, God. I didn't know. <laughs> Usually you got something to say, so... Uh, Guess the show is just gonna be me talking today. Um, other no, I'm I'm keeping quiet because there's a lot going on. Yeah, today. yeah, we we got a lot to get into, so we're probably just gonna get right into it. Um, I don't give a fuck how MJ is doing today. No, I don't give a fuck how Checkers is doing. So great, just great. Drinking my drink over here. <laughs> Are you not? I am right here. Oh, sorry, my my <laughs> my big monitor is in the way. True, true. All right, so my first one is from Newsmax. Getting kids out young saves them from public school. Pretty sure you've said that, I don't know, countless times on this uh, podcast. But it says, here's what the billions of tax dollars we sent to government schools, uh, public schools, have been buying in the way of education for parents. Michael Hartney and Corey DeAngelis report, according to the latest NAEP data, Current learning losses continue to extend far and wide. On average, public school students lost historic ground in math, 10 points, and reading, 6 points, since before the pandemic. Research just published in one of the nation's oldest and most respected economic journals echo the take-home here. The more time students spend, spend outside the classroom, the less they learned. And that is because the parents are disconnected. They're not up on their kids' asses about doing their work. Well, well, if the parents want to stay disconnected and don't want to homeschool because people are like, oh, well, me and you need to come up with a better solution. Well, then pay for your kid to go to a boarding school or a private school because that way, sure, their their education values are a little different and they go off their own you know, schooling plan. Right. But you can look into what it actually is. It's not going to be all this indoctrination that the government's trying to push on the children. Yeah, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be blocked from seeing the syllabus, which is absolutely annoying. I don't understand that. Yeah. Um, so it goes on to say, and when politicians follow the left's script to the letter by sending even more money, the etocrats did what they always do. These troubling results come years after politicians dumped hundreds of billions of dollars in addition, federal funding into the school system. Throwing more money at the problem didn't help, but part of the reason, as Georgetown University researchers found, recently found, is that investments in social-emotional learning are more popular with public schools than expanded learning time. And they found that despite warnings from the feds against taking on new construction or extent, uh, extensive renovations, some 20% of the money has been invested in facility doing little to resolve gaps in learning. Uh, translation for parents, social emotional learning can't be tested. It's like UFOs. You just have to believe. Math and reading, on the other hand, can be tested. Government schools are failing and will continue f to fail. Government schools are run by etocrat ideolog ideologies who put a 
priority on education, fads, indoctrination, grooming, and other, and turning out more leftists. Your kids might be ignorant, but they will be indoctrinated. Compare to compare government school results num, to the numbers of Catholic schools, like you just said, private school. American America's Catholic schools defied these sobering trends. Students attended parochial, uh, parochial school. Schools experienced no meaningful decline in either subject on the latest NAEP. Although twice as many private schools educators, 17%, were in the COVID vulnerable 60 or older category, Catholic schools stayed open for their students because it was bullshit. The typical parochial school starts a learning day earlier, focuses on the basics, and most of all, we're, mo- we're much more likely to encourage and provide in-person learning throughout the pandemic. That's because they actually care about the kids. They care about the kids' education. That's what it just comes down to. It's not, it's not, all, all, not all money for them. And all without devoting a month to our nation's just uh, concluded Pride Ramadan. <laughs> if you care about your children's future, get them off this treadmill to the leftist. Save them from government schools that are expensive and occasionally violent daycare with football teams. Eight red states are making it easy for parents to take control of their children's education and not be charged twice for the privilege. Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, India, and I mean, Indiana, Iowa, Oklahoma, Utah, and West Virginia have all passed school choice laws. It should always be a school choice. That's my fucking kid. You can't, government's not going to tell me what the fuck to do with my kid. Fuck you. But, um, that is actually a pretty length, lengthy article. You go check it out. Like I said, it's on Newsmax. Getting your kids out young saves them from public school. It's a pretty good read, formative. I encourage you to go re- read into it. How do you? I do. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. Okay, my first article is the pedophile Biden regime considering a dangerous plan that would block the sun in order to rapidly cool the earth. The regime is open to uh, letting potential, uh, potentially millions of people and animals die if it means cooling the earth by a few degrees. The Daily Mail revealed that the regime officials re- released a report Friday suggesting blocking sunlight to rapidly cool the earth. This is a process known as solar radiation modification, SRM, just in case you needed the acronym. <laughs> Or solar uh, geoengineering. The terrifying report notes several ways the regime could look to achieve the solar uh, solar geoengineering, all of which have a high likelihood of disaster. As the Daily Mail notes, one method would be to significantly increase the amount of aerosols in the stratosphere, which would reflect the sun's rays from the planet. The Gateway Pundit revealed in December... Uh, that's who this article is from that the company called, um, that a company called make sunsets has successfully launched weather balloons from Mexico that may have released sulfur particles into the atmosphere. Oh, okay. So they're the ones ruining the atmosphere. Not, not the vehicles. No. Jesus Christ. (laughs) But you know, so, so they're, they're increasing 
the problem that they claim that is out there and then blaming it on the normal American because they're driving around a gas or diesel vehicle. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Fuck. The report floats um, floats other ideas such as increasing cloud coverage over oceans or reducing um, cloud formations that reflect solar radiation back to the earth as noted by the Daily Mail. George Soros suggested a similar idea back in February. Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. They got a 2030 agenda and they need to get it done because um, I don't see a Democrat getting back in in 2024 if it even makes it to a fucking election. Um, the report growingly claims that SRM offers the possibility of cooling the planet significantly on a time scale of a few years. The Biden regime called the report promising and said research into this practice would enable better informed decisions about the potential risks and benefits of blocking the sun. As the gateway pundit has previously reported, there are no benefits to this type of research. Um, the solar geoengineering, however, are profound and could lead to massive number of deaths. One study shows that this type of engineering could endanger wildlife implementing and failing to sustain its, uh, this technology would leave species around the world unable to cope with the changing conditions causing massive uh, mass extinction. Oh, that's not a problem. Uh, solar geoengineering could also lead to global starvation. According to the website, down to earth releasing man-made clouds into atmosphere above the arctic for example would have catastrophic consequences this would disrupt the monsoons in asia and increase droughts particularly in africa endangering both food and water sources for two billion people they don't care because no. as long as long as they get their food and shit yep and even more terrifying truth truth uh is that solar geoengineering is uh relatively cheap technology one country could fully fund and implement this technology on its own just try to imagine china for example process uh possessing this power the communist dictatorship would not hesitate to use this technology as a weapon to accomplish um their geopolitical goals if necessary and as a self-defense mechanism because one country could have the potential to alter the climate and potentially kill millions of people. This might lead to world war three. We are already in world war three. Yeah. no. If, if you, if you don't realize that because we like, okay, Russia and Ukraine are doing their thing. And you know, we got countries from Europe sending Ukraine fucking weapons. We're sending weapons. Okay. And you know, I do have a problem with them sending weapons, but I did hear on a podcast and it was an interesting uh, view on it is we are some of the weapons we're sending them. We're sending to Ukraine so they can get they can test them in real war. Um, OK, right. In, in real war and get get feedback. So if it fails, they know. Right. So in all reality, they're already getting ready for a war with China because China is our biggest enemy. It is. Yeah. And if you don't think like. We're in the early stages of World War Three or anything because everybody's waiting to see. And this was said in this podcast too. Uh, everybody, you know, after World War One, when you thought of World War, you thought it was going to be like World War One. World War Two was nothing like World War One. Right. World War Three is going to be nothing like World War Two. Yep. We advanced in technology. We advanced all over the place. War is going to be different. 
a new global war with nuclear weapons exchanged would, would finish off the life on Earth that solar geoengineering misses. Yet the regime is so beholden to the global warming cult, they are flirting with implementing this deadly technology. So that's going to wrap up the article, but me and you were having a conversation just off seeing the, um, the headline. And, you know, it came out that, you know, um, Russia was going to bomb that uh, nuclear facility. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they didn't, but everybody right. was thinking, okay, well, how, did, how does Zelensky know that? That Putin's going to uh, bomb that. Is Putin calling him up? Be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to bomb that. Yeah. No. So they thought it was going to be the Americans and the Ukrainians doing that. And then that would set the stage for now nuclear use of mm-hmm. weapons. And then what would happen? You'd end up with a nuclear winter. What yep. does that do? That blocks the sun. Exactly. Yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. Something you know, to keep in the know, back of your head. You know. I might have my tinfoil hat on right now, but I mean, <laughs> when you think about it, that, 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 that would block the sun. We'd be in a nuclear winter. Um, it would cool down the planet. It would. It would cool it down so much that you wouldn't be able to grow anything. Well, yeah, because the, some, some soils would be, you know, not and even I, growable because, you know, the, 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 radio, the radioactive matter would be all over yeah. the, in the ground, right? And, and in the clouds because, you know, for and the for rain. the rain, yeah. right, exactly. And I can see, I can see the government already having something um, under the, underground or whatever, because all of those big important servers are all underground. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why they're underground. Because if it's underground, there's a um, the best chance for it to not be penetrated by a nuke or an EMP or whatever. And, it, and it's for, it's a form of shielding. Yeah, to, it's a form to of shielding, yeah. right? All right. My next one is from the Epic Times. After targeting children, the transgender movement loses ground. Good. According to the uh, results of a growing number of studies and surveys, a new truth is emerging. For its persistent, persistent effort to target children, the transgender movement is losing ground on several fronts. It began with Drag Queen Story Hour. It, involved, it evolved into family-friendly drag shows. Now we have naked men pedaling bikes in front of children at Seattle Pride parades while LGBT activists in New York City dance in naked in public fountains and march through streets boldly admitting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. And I would fucking love it if one of these guys did this around me. Like, you wouldn't be doing it anymore is all, all I got to say. However, a growing number of polls and studies are confirming that the transgender movement is rapidly losing ground, which, like we've said tons of times on this fucking podcast, it's only a half percent, less than half a percent of the population. So for it to slowly lose ground, that's great. Good. Go to fucking zero percent. Y'all are fucked up anyways. The mounting pushback and results of boycott show it's happening fast. While the general public seem to tolerate and even participate in LGBTQ plus causes and events, there's a growing effort into the uh, to get rid of them. Nineteen states have passed legislation restriction restricting access to gender affirming care for children and teenagers. That's how it, it shouldn't be nineteen states. It should be all fucking all the states. It, it it's it's sick. In a show of support for a Florida mother who's fighting to protect children from transgender 
indoctrination in schools. 21 states and 37 parent, uh, parent rights organizations have joined forces. Because of the growing number of hockey players who refuse to wear pride jerseys, the National Hockey League's Board of Governors has decided to stop participating in such events. Due to increasing backlash, drag queen story hours are now are being canceled from Florida to New York and West Hollywood to North Carolina. Drag shows have been canceled in places like Texas, Indiana, Georgia, and across Florida. The U.S. Defense Secretary has issued a department-wide pro, uh, prohibition of drag shows on military bases. Paramount canceled its Queen of the Universe TV series. And, you know, people are starting to wake up that, you know, we're the majority of Americans are not for this shit. And it doesn't need to be fucking shoved down our throat. Just because that's how you think doesn't mean it, we need to fucking, we need to have it th- uh, th- uh, pushed down our throats and then pushed on our kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm liking this. I'm liking this. Uh, in response to the companies that, that choose to promote, uh, promote transgender ide- ideology, boycotts are inflicting major financial damage on powerhouse corporations. The decisions by Bud Light's former f- vice president, Alyssa, Alyssa Hen- Hensher, Henner Shield, Sheet, or whatever the fuck her name is. Doesn't matter. Nope. To use Dick Swing and Dylan Mulvaney as a means to update the company's fratty culture, chopped 23% of its stock value. Wait a minute. It's more than that. It is way more than that. When is this from? I thought there was a new article. Yes, yeah, it's up updated July twenty second. I mean July second. Okay. Anyways, they're up they're up near thirty. So they they have that wrong, but <clears throat> analysts say the damage is permanent. Target's choice to partner with transgender Satanist to design a pride collection for children cost the company a fifth of its value in just two weeks. After introducing L- LGBT onesies for infants during Pride Month. Kohl's uh, stock fell 5%. Well, I don't think it really had far to fall because, you know, it's Kohl's, but either way. <laughs> For their decision to involve themselves in the Pride uh, Parade, Starbucks, Walmart, and Levi Strauss are now feeling the heat. Let's not forget how Gillette's war on toxic masculinity cost Procter. Oh, no. <laughs> cost Procter and Gamble. $8 billion. Gillette. The best a man can get is what their fucking slogan is. But they don't want... They're against toxic masculine. Okay. Activists who are pushing transgender treatments for children, even chemical castration, at and the amputation of healthy body uh, parts frequently cite the endorsements by proponents such as the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, in the American Academic of Pediatrics. They insist that when it comes to the life-saving nature of transgender-affirming care, doctors agree. And that right there, great. Thank you. Those big three right there that everybody's supposed to lean on, and they're all leaning this way, now you know to fucking stay away. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right there. It's plain. It's, it's simple that if anybody or any company is, is supporting the trans movement and and there's the the oversexualization of kids that's going along with it, then they're telling you, hey, this is what we're about, and then you can just fucking about face and go the other way. 
It's easy. Yeah. But this is a very lengthy art article. So that's going to do it for that one. It's a, it actually goes into, into shit pretty good. All right. Well, my next one is from Robart nine times. Joe Biden denied family business involvement, despite mounting evidence. Come on, man. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to get into this one because, uh, Good article. <laughs> okay. Pedophile Joe Biden has denied his involvement in the Biden family business nine times over four years. While at least 23 instances of um, evidence directly contradicted his claims, including but not limited to photos, texts, and auto recordings, and IRS and former business partner whistleblower testimonies joe biden remains steadfast in insisting that many established facts do not mean he was somehow involved in the family's overseas business <laughs> you know what i i think I'll, I'll have to give him the benefit of the doubt on that because he probably doesn't know what the fuck's going on anyways come on man no, I'm not going to fucking come on. I'm too old for you. <laughs> the list of denials begins in 2019 when he ran for president. There is a three-year gap between his initial denials and recent um, <clears throat> recent reputations representing the establishment media's failure to ask pre the president about the evidence that was that has been trickling into the public domain for years. After the most recent findings in May and in June by Republican-led Congress, the media took a more active role in reporting the family's affairs, yet its reporting pales in comparison to how the media covers alleged Republican wrongdoing. According to the Media Research Center, fewer than 50% of CNN and MSNBC viewers know about key issues regarding the Biden family's business. Wow. They're not reporting that? I wonder why. I wonder why. Below are nine instances Joe Biden, the pedophile, denied involvement. <clears throat> Number one, May 3rd, 2019. We never discussed it when, uh, when he was there, Ukraine, in Ukraine. Uh, pedophile Biden told the Associated Press, there's not a single bit of evidence that's uh, been shown in any reporting that's been done that he ever talked about it with me or asked any government official for a favor. All the reports indicated that not a single solitary thing was inappropriate about what my son did. He never talked to me. He never talked to anybody in the administration. Pedophile Biden added. I, you know what's really funny? What? Is nobody wants to make a big deal about this, but um, some fucking slut comes out and says, hey, Donald Trump Jr. slept with me in a gay bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's up in arms about it. Right. But, oh my God, he slept with a female in a gay bathroom. Big fucking deal. Wow. Right. <laughs> Number two, August 28th, 2019. Never discussed with my son or my brother or anybody else to do with their business, period. Pedophile. 
Spencer. Number three, September 19th, 2019. I've never spoken to my son about overseas, uh, overseas business dealings. Here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. Okay. Classic, classic, <laughs> classic lying is deflection. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this business. He knows I'll beat him like a drum. Ooh, oh, I fucking love, I'd love to see that. <laughs> Trump, Trump, Trump. <laughs> Four, October 4th, 2019. Yes, I stand by that statement. Pedophile Joe Biden replied when a reporter asked him in Los Angeles about his previous dealings. Number five, October 22nd, 2020. I have not taken a penny from foreign source ever in my life. Pedophile Biden said, referring to his fucked up son, Hunter Biden's role on the board of Ukrainian energy company during a presidential debate. Nothing was unethical. Fucking idiot. My son, my son has made no money from China. The only guy who has made money from China was this guy. He said about Donald Trump. Right. Number six. <clears throat> wow. Six. <laughs> <laughs> June 8th, 2023. Joe Biden mock mockingly called the house GOP revelation that he accepted a $5 million bribe from Ukraine energy company. Malarkey. Wow, you are old. That's malarkey. That is malarkey. Number seven, June 14th, 2023. Joe Biden missed a question about his alleged audio tapes by breaking his stride, turning, grinning, and slowly shaking his head while walking away. He probably wasn't even walking towards the right door. He probably wasn't. <clears throat> Number eight, June 26, 2023, after hosting an event in the East Room at the White House about the nation's economic challenges, um, a Fox News reporter asked President or pedophile Joe Biden, did you lie about never speaking to Hunter about these business dealings? No. No. Your groomer-in-chief replied. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Nine, June twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Wow, that would that that's pretty close. Yeah, not not too long ago. While speaking outside the White House, reporters swarmed the, the pedophile with questions about his involvement with the family business in response to whistleblower testimony to Congress that his name was thrown around in his son's dealings. How involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? Were you involved? A reporter asked. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Were you a second? No, no, no. Hold on. Were you a second reporter asked? No. Pedophile Biden shouted. Wow. He's getting a little upset because he's caught. Yeah, Henri in his old but, age. But those are the nine examples of him totally contradicting what's really going on. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want the involvement to come out. But, you know, in this article, there's a picture of him, like, just lurching around the door. <laughs> <laughs> he was that over there. 
So that's going to wrap that one up. All right. Of our, of, of this, uh, corrupt pedophile. That's an office. Nice. My next one's from Newsmax. Oh, wow. I don't know if it's Vicar or Vizar. Uh, bank closes account over trans ideology. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It is. I wonder why. A leader of the Angelic Angelican Church has accused the Yorkshire Bank uh, Building Society of bullying after the bank announced the closure of it, his account within 14 days after he protested against its alleged promotion of transgender ideology. In June, the Reverend Richard Fothergill, who has been a longstanding customer of the Building Society, sent his bank a letter complaining about its public message during Pride Month. Four days later, the 62-year-old said he received a reply from him of the closure of his internet savings account, the Times reported. I wasn't even aware that our relationship had a problem, Father Gill said, according to the Daily Mail, which, while accusing the financial institution of bullying. They are a financial house. They are not there to do social engineering. I think they should concentrate their efforts on managing money instead of promoting LGBT ideology. I know cancel culture exists, he continued, and this is my first-hand experience of it. I wouldn't want this bullying to happen to anyone else. The retired uh, vicar maintains that his comments were a polite rebuttal to the content on YBS's website and prepared in such a way, a manner to contest the bank's involvement in LGBTQ plus ideology. The bank was, wasn't having it, wasn't having it in response to father Gill. It wrote that its customer relationship with him had irre irrevocably broken down. And then it has a zero-tolerance approach to discrimination. Really? You just, you just closed somebody's account. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Father Gill's response was prompted by a, month, a monthly email from YBS requesting feedback. According to him, he wrote a few paragraphs expressing his disagreement with the idea of trans ideology, insisting that he had been polite all the way through and that the bank should be worrying about financial issues, not cultural matters, which is true. But YBS, the company responsible for managing the savings of over 3 million customers, disputed Father Gill's account of the incident, noting, according to a spokesman, that we never, we never close savings bank accounts based on different opinions regarding beliefs or feedback by our customers. We only ever make the difficult decision to close a savings account if a customer is rude, abusive, violent, or discriminates in any way based on the specific facts, comments, and behavior in each case. So I like how, you know, they all, that they're, they're taking that discrimination and they're twisting it their way. But when you're being discriminated because your bank is supporting the LBGTQ plus IA hieroglyphics and fucking wave signs or whatever... Um, it doesn't work that way. Similarly to Fothergill, according to broadcaster and former British politician Nigel Farage, three members of his family had their UK bank accounts closed. This comes amid accusations the banks are terminating accounts of customers who express views on gender, LGBTQ plus issues, or opinions on Brexit, which with which the banks disagree. Faraz has not named the bank responsible for these transgressions, trans but 
But according to the mail, it is believed to be Coutts, a private bank whose clients include members of the royal family. The who? <laughs> the royal family. Oh. That's going to, that they ended the article right there. <clears throat> but, you know, that's ridiculous. Um, I, I firmly believe if, if you want to support LGBTQ plus and all that stuff, keep doing it. But that's, you're going to end up being only, you're, you're only going to have people that support that, which like we said is half a percent. So you're going to see a lot of banks falling um, pretty soon. Yeah. So my next one is about a bank. This is from Newsmax Finance. Bank of America is sitting on a hundred billion dollar paper loss in bonds. Great news for you, Bank of America people. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, like we 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 cover an article on Bank of America, what, like every other week? Yeah, that's what it seems like, Dom. The value of Bank of America's portfolio has plunged by a hundred billion due to bonds whose yields have risen and prices have fallen. The, the loss at nation's, uh, the nation's second largest bank is more than double the, co- uh, the cost to other U.S. leaders, data from the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp shows. Uh, by comparison, J.P. Morgan, Chase, and Wells Fargo, the nation's biggest and third largest banks, each had $40 billion in unrealized bond market loss at the end of the first quarter, whereas Citigroup, the fourth largest bank, had paper loss of $25 billion. Bank of America's loss are one of are one fifth of the five hundred and fifteen billion the total unrealized loss in security portfolios of forty six hundred banks in the United States. FDIC data shows banks found themselves with record cash during the pandemic and invested it in various ways. As they each take diverging bets on the direction of the Federal Reserve interest rates between 2019 and 2022, the value of the bank securities, primarily U.S. treasuries and insured mortgage bonds, rose by 54% to $2 trillion, double their overall assets. When Silicon Valley Bank announced in March it had lost $1.8 billion from selling part of its securities portfolio, they seemingly safe strategy backfired due to the bank run. This is not a case at Bank of America, however, which has $370 billion in cash and is not facing uh, a liquidity crunch. In fact, if in, uh, interest rates were to fall, Bank of America's uh, bonds would regain value. Additionally, the Federal Reserve's annual stress test released Wednesday showed stability at Bank of America. However, investors are aware the portfolio paper decline in its stock, BAC, is down 15% year-to-date. Ramifications are also weighing on Bank of America's net interest margin, an important measurement of bank uh, profits from loans and investments. J.P. Morgan's annualized net interest margin at the end of the first quarter was 2.6%, edging out Bank of America's 2.2%. Um. <clears throat> Further, the bonds of Bank of America purchased during the pandemic generate significantly less income than bonds available now that the bank could purchase other customer deposits. Bank of America chief executive officer um, has done a phenomenal job in handling the bank's operations. But if you look at the bank's balance sheet, it is a mess, says Dick Bove, chief strategist at uh, 
Odeon Capital, Jason Goldberg, a bank annual analyst at uh, Barclays, adds when rates were low, they were making more money than rivals. Fast forward to today, and they're making less. I think a jury is still out on Bank of America's portfolio. So it goes on on some uh, other bankers' um, opinions on what's going on at Bank of America. But in my opinion, if you still have your money with Bank of America, you are a fucking moron. Because, you know, they're they're, they're $100 billion in in the negative right now. They took a loss. And whose money did they lose? People's money. Yeah. So they're not going to lose anybody else's money. That's for no, sure. it's, it's, it's all their, their banking customers. They're using that money to reinvest, try to get more money and they're losing right now. Right. So you might want to go pull your money out, go to a credit union or, or just put it in your fucking safe. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a better place for it. So my next one is from NPR. Supreme court kills Biden student debt planet. In a setback for millions of borrowers. NPR. Welcome to NPR News. <laughs> um, go. It says, in a highly anticipated decision, the Supreme Court on Friday struck down President Biden's groundbreaking plan to forgive some or all federal student loan debt for tens of millions of Americans. By a 6-3 to three vote on ideological lines the high court ruled that the federal law does not authorize the department of education to cancel such student loan debt writing for the majority chief justice john roberts said the authority to modify statutes and regulations allows the secretary to make modest adjustments and additions to existing provisions not to transform them uh, siding with the the states justice amy coney Barrett said in her concurring opinion, said the major question doctrine reinforces the major uh, the majority's conclusion, but is not necessary to it. In her dissent, Justice El- uh, Elena Kagan criticized the court's overreach and noted she would have decided the states didn't have the right to sue. The plaintiffs in this case are six states that have no personal stake in the secretary's loan forgiveness plan, she said. They are classic ideological plaintiffs. They think that they think they plan a very bad idea, but they are no worse off than the secretary defers. Last August, President Biden told federal student loan borrowers that the U.S. government would cancel up to $20,000 of debt for low-income students who had received a Pell Grant to attend college and up to $10,000 for vast majority the vast majority of remaining borrowers. He cited a 2001 law that allows the Secretary of Education to alleviate the hardship and federal student loan receipts that may suffer as a result of national emergencies. That is the same law that President Trump used to freeze federal student loan payments and interest accrual during the COVID pandemic, which is the right thing to do. You freeze this shit. You don't fucking take it away. Because the, the, more, the more enabling that people are with these kids, the more, the more shocking and ill-prepared these kids are going to be for real life. 
And I just like the fact that it's, that it's, um, you know what it is? You got all these fucking kids that went out and fucking got a fucking loan or their parents signed for a loan. And now, Oh, um, we're going to play victim because we're fucking 80,000 or $60,000 in debt. And we got an education and absolutely nothing. Right. Okay. That's what the problem is. And then you got people out there that want to put down blue, blue collar workers that are, you know, electricians, carpenters, mechanics, plumbers, um, truck drivers, you know, the list goes on with blue collar workers and, you know, they want to get put down, but most of those careers are making the real money. It's not fucking, they are. Yeah. You don't need a college education anymore to make money for a college education person to make, to, to make what, what the good earners make in those blue, blue collar, uh, sectors is you're probably looking at a good 10 years, easy 10 to 12 years before you, before things equal out. And those blue collar workers, some of them didn't even get any kind of an education after high school, yeah, like a certificate pro program or a truck driving license and stuff like that. Yeah. They got education and exactly what they're going into for a career. Right. They didn't go and get a fucking liberal arts degree and be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a fucking $600,000 now with my, my liberal arts degree. No, you're not. No, you're not. All you went to college, all you paid for at college, and all you parents that paid for college, all you paid for is for your kid to get indoctrinated with all this, these leftist beliefs and these fucking transgender beliefs, okay? So there's your education. And you know what? You want to put your pronouns on a fucking application? That's not going to help you either. No, but they'll show you how to do it. (laughs) They will. But that's it for that. Oh, okay. Okay. Jesus Christ. Can't read your mind. This one's from Newsmax. <laughs> Governor, you, I thought you could. Governor Dwayne Biden declared East Palestine an emergency. <laughs> Ohio GOP governor asked President Biden to grant his request, declaring the village of East Palestine in Columbiana County, Ohio, a major disaster. The declaration would grant access to funds following the February train derailment, which released a um, massive amount of toxic chemicals into the ground and water supply. Due to the voluntary negligence of the rail operator, uh, Norfolk Southern DeWine, uh, DeWine wrote uh, in this uh, in his letter Monday to Biden, the rail operator could cease providing its support at any moment. Authorities are still... Addressing the aftermath of the disaster that saw nearby residents raise a desperate range of health cons- uh, uh, concerns, including chemical-induced brico- uh, <laughs> chemically-induced uh, bronchial. Can't even say it. Is it bronchial? Yeah, but it's bronchitis. There we go. Oh, there <laughs> <laughs> chemically-induced bronchitis. A um, Disaster declaration is needed to ensure that the state and federal government use all resources available to step up, step in and provide the community with needed assistance. The governor wrote because of the unique nature of the, of this incident, the state is still working to identify current needs and evaluate the future impacts. This disaster uh, will have on individuals in the community. I have determined that this incident is of such severity and magnitude that effective response is beyond the capabilities of the state and the affected local governments and the supple, uh, supplementary federal assistance is necessary. 
Uh, the governor said to the Ohio Department of Health, uh, had worked w- he had worked with the Department of Health and Human Services in establishing a community clinic to respond to the physical and mental needs of the community. However, he continues, the long-term health impacts are unknown. In addition to the physical and mental health impacts, there have been economic impacts. However, I mean, homeowners and businesses have seen property value decline and loss of business as people are hesitant to come into the community. The Norfolk Southern train carrying hazardous materials derailed in East Palestine on February 3rd. I was going to say that was a long time ago. Yeah. um, That's going to wrap up that one, but you know, they have to pretty much just accept that that area of land is just going to be a loss. Right. Exactly. You know, the water around it, the soil around it, the people that are there need to move out of that area. I understand that's where your home is. You have a lot of memories there, but it's, it's time to get out. Exactly. And you're probably already been put at some sort of health risk. Right. You know, so. Yeah. At, at the very least, like the, the thing at the top of my list, when I think of that would be cancer. Yeah. And no, nobody wants that. No. So my next one's from Newsmax. CBP in Arizona seizes 1.98 million fentanyl, fentanyl pills in two weeks. There's no way. I know. I know. We have the safest, securest borders well, yes, in, that, in, that is the, very in, true. In the world. That is, that is very true. Nobody's coming across our borders. No, no. Why are they making shit like this up? Oh, it's misinformation. Oh, that's what it is. All right. Send it over there. Send it to misinformation. Yep. (laughs) 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 So the article goes on to say customs and border protection patrols in Arizona seized almost 2 million fentanyl pills and other drugs during the last two weeks alone. How? I I don't know. I think they're dropping out of the sky. I don't know. Maybe I should stop cutting you off. Maybe I'll figure it out. Maybe you would. <laughs> Michael Humphreys, the area port director in Nog- Nogales, Arizona, posted the seizures in Nogales. a series of posts on Twitter starting June 20th with the confiscation of 784,200 fentanyl pills or 169.5 pounds of, oh no, uh, yeah, 169.5 pounds of methamphetamine, 170 pounds of meth. Jesus Christ. 10.9 pounds of heroin and 5.8 pounds of cocaine. Well, y'all fucked up. You should have upped the cocaine. What the fuck? <laughs> the seizures came after agents reached, uh, searched six vehicles containing the contraband hidden in various areas, including the floor, roof, tires, door panels, body, and in baggage, the tweet said. So in six cars, there was all that shit. That's... That's fucked. That just shows right there that they don't care about getting stopped. Because if that's what they caught, imagine what got by. Mm-hmm. That's that's just, that's insane. Two days later, patrol agents using canine officers discovered 517,000 fentanyl pills and 64.6 grams of cocaine in the doors and tailgate of a truck, a separate post stated. Later, pedestrian operations seized an additional 10,800 fentanyl pills in a gym bag. In a third post Monday, Humphreys reported the seizure of 457,000 fentanyl pills and 2.13 pounds of methamphetamine hidden in a vehicle during a search last Friday. And another 214,000 fentanyl pills and 45.5 pounds of meth discovered in a truck on Saturday. 
The total number of fentanyl pills seized during that time reached 1.983 million with an estimated street value between 10 and $20 million, according to the Department of Justice Drug Street Price Estimates per dose of 5 to $10 each. Between October 1st and May 31st, the CBP has confiscated 19,800 pounds of fentanyl pill. Jesus Christ. Up to the... Up from the 14,700 pounds seized in fiscal year 2022. It is the only drug on the CBP list that increased over amounts of marijuana, meth, cocaine, heroin, LSD, cat, ketamine, ecstasy, and other drugs seized last year, according to the agency. According to the Drug Enforcement Administration, fentanyl is a potent, uh, potent synthetic opioid drug approved by the Food and Drug Administration for use as an and a, anesthetic? No. Yeah, maybe anesthetic. Pain relief. You know, and anesthetic, I don't know what that word is. The other word is. It is approximately 100 times more potent than more uh, morphine and 50 times more potent than heroin, as in heroin, analgesic, analgesic, I guess. I don't know. Um. Uh, That'll, that'll do it for that article. It just says, you know, basically what it what meth does if you smoke it and all that other shit. Um, which, you it fucks you up and it can kill you. There you go. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty easy. So here's some news um, coming out for all you fat fucks out there that are just like... Man. Fucking disgusting slobs. A high BMI is not necessarily associated with higher risk of death. Study finds. This is from NBC News. Okay. You ready for this? Ready. A body mass index in the range considered overweight, obese, or fat fuck is not necessarily associated with a higher risk of death. A new study has found the research is the latest addition to the growing body uh body of evidence that suggests BMI is not an accurate indicator of a person's health. I know you, you should be able to look at somebody and be like, wow, that is a fat fuck over there. You are not healthy. You disgusting slob. If we, we, we went over this last week, you know, if you if you get up and you walk to the toilet to take your morning piss and you're out of breath, you're out of breath. You are a fat fucking slob. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you do anything like you got to reach up your arm to fucking scratch your, the opposite shoulder and you're fucking out of breath from that. You're a fat fuck. You are unhealthy. Yes. You need to, you need to, you need to go on a diet. Sorry. If, they, if you're listening and that's your first time hearing that, then <laughs> welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the study published on Wednesday in the journal, uh, PLOS one assessed the relationship between BMI and the risk of death from any cause based on data for more than 550,000 U S adults over the average of nine years. The results showed no significant increase in the risk of death for 65-year-old year olds 
with BMIs of 22.5 to 34.9. The same was true for younger adults with BMIs of 22.5 and 27.4. A BMI of 25 or above is considered overweight. Yes. And 30 is considered obese. What's the one for uh, fat fuck? There's there, 35? There's super morbidly there's morbid morbidly obese. And then super morbidly obese. They actually had to make another category. Well, there's another category, fat fuck. So which one's that? <laughs> is that? Over 30. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if that was like 27. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to reach out to him. BMI is calculated by dividing a person's weight by the square of their are the square of their height for decades. There's nothing square about that. I know. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> Uh, for decades, it has been used to assess whether a person's weight is healthy or could bring a risk of diabetes, diabetes, or heart disease. But many healthcare professionals have criticized this, saying BMI does not account for um, crucial factors such as body fat percentage and variations in disease risk among people of different races and oh jesus and genders last month the american medical association adopted a policy advising physicians to use additional measures including waist circumference fat distribution in the body and genetic factors to assess a person's health okay so now they're, they're backtracking because even what their what their chart is now from from for the bmi it, that's altered so you can be fatter and be healthier according to the BMI calculator. No, you know what this is? So the article goes on. If you want to read it, it's NBC News. You can check out, check it out. I said the article in the beginning. You can rewind the show a little, get the article. You can check it out. But really, all this is, is it's it's part of the, it's got to be a part of that 2030 agenda. They want you fat, lazy, and able to do nothing. And the fatter you are, the lazier you are, the more dependent you're going to be on the government because you won't be able to fit out the fucking front door or into your fucking car to get to fucking work. Right. And then because you're so fucking fat and you can't get out the fucking front door because you're a disgusting slob, you're just going to sit there and ingest all their fucking food that's going to fucking make you even fatter with all its fucking chemicals and all kinds of shit in it. And then what are you going to do? You're going to sit there online and fucking take in all this information or sit there and watch fucking Netflix or Hulu all fucking day like a fucking loser. Then get back on your computer and tell everybody how you're a victim and all this. But you know what? All you have to do is put down the fucking jelly roll, you fucking fat fuck. No, but I don't want to. It tastes so good. That's all it is. It's it's not it's not they're they're trying to say, oh yeah, you're healthy. No, they want they want more Americans fat. They want them more dependent on the government. They want them more dependent on all this shit. So you can't stand up and do anything for yourself because you're so dependent on the fucking government. Right, exactly. And that's all they want. That's part of the agenda. So the fatter you get, the more dependent you are. Yep. So And then if the shit hits the fan, you, you you're not going anywhere. You can't even fit out the fucking front door. And if you do, you're going to get like to the end of your driveway and be like, this ain't fucking worth it. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're going to waddle back slowly with their head down. <laughs> right. So my next one is from Breibart. Trump vows to cut federal funding 
to schools pushing CRT, gender ideology, if elected. And I think that's that's pretty funny. You see one guy, he's pushing it, and one guy, uh, he's he's not for it, and he's going he's gonna to act accordingly to get rid of that shit. And that's what we need. So, I don't know. I think I think he's he is the best presidential runner that we have right now. Rainer. Um Rainer. But former President Donald Trump committed to cutting federal funding for schools, pushing critical race theory and gender ideology if elected president while speaking at the Monster Liberty Joyful Warrior Summit Friday evening in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. One day I will sign new executive or hold on, hold on. One day I will sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory, <laughs> transgender insane insanity. Wow, there's a there's a new one. I'll adopt that. And uh, other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content on our on our children. Exactly. Let them be fucking kids. Let them have fun. They don't. They don't. If they can't vote. They don't need to worry about fucking politics. Trump pledged for uh, before advocating for moving the uh, education system back to the states. He added, under my leadership, the 1619 Project, you remember that beauty. <laughs> the cl climate change extremists that are destroying our country. The ridiculous 87 different genders. The left says they're out there. Think of it. And we're going to cut it out. We're going to cut it, get it out. We're going to be pressing three basic things plus reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah, you're old if you're saying arithmetic. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's math. Um, Trump stated that the Marxism, fascism, communism, and the radical left socialism, he says, is being thrust on students in classrooms across the country is not only hostile to the region, but it is not, it now resembles established region uh, religion of its own, adding, the Marxist left and other lunatics preaching uh, radical ideology have become a cult within their own creeds and their own man mantras and their own rituals. Instead of taking children to church, they believe in taking children to drag shows. You see what's happening? Instead of teaching them to say their prayers, they're teaching them to recite, recite their pronouns. Trump said that he would direct his Department of Justice to legally pursue schools who engage in these militant at, uh, and country destroying, destroying practices under the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause of our Constitution. Moreover, he reiterated his plan to implement massive funding preferences for all states and schools that commit to the following actions. Abolishing teachers' tenure for grades 10, uh, K through 12 so we can remove bad teachers. Adopting uh, merit pay so we can reward the great teachers. Implementing complete curriculum transparency so that parents ha have the right to see 100% of the material their children are being taught in school. And very importantly, adopting a program of universal school choice. Furthermore, Trump advocated for the uh, local elections for school principal positions. If you have a bad principal who's not getting the job done, the parents will, under the Trump administration, be allowed to vote fire to fire that principal to select someone that will do a great job. And this uh, this will be the ultimate form of local control and parental rights, he said. 
the 45th president whose tax cuts and jobs act of 2017 allowed parents to use part of 529 education savings accounts to pay for K through 12 education noted the work, uh, the work conservatives, conservatives and moms for Liberty have done in recent years in local school districts and, School board races, PTA meetings, and town halls across uh, across the nation. You have taught the radical left Marxists and uh, communists a lesson they will never forget. Don't mess with America's moms, he said. He later called that on to them to continue to the, uh, the noble fight that you are waging to take back school boards and all across this country. And you know what he didn't say in that whole thing right there? What? Moms and dads. Trump, he only referred to moms. Yeah, because most dads aren't in the picture. Exactly. Fucking bums. Well, I wouldn't say they're all bums. Because some, some, some states, the, the fucking, the court system is just against the, the father. Oh, well, true. Even, even yeah. if the father is a good, hardworking guy that wants to be a part of his kid's life, he just doesn't want to be a part of the mother's life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That'll do it for that article, though. Yeah. I got my next one is from Newsmax. Citizenship tests may require English proficiency. Oh, wow. Whoa. Wow. Most immigrants to the United States come from countries where English is not spoke, not the spoken language. The U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services wants to require that immigrants must show they can speak English proficiently to become an American citizen, according to the Associated Press. AOC is going to have a massive problem with this. I could have sworn that was one of the prerequisites to getting your green card or whatever it is. I don't know, but AOC is going to be like, look at these fucking loopholes. She better shut her mouth. She better. (laughs) He agrees. He does. (laughs) A proposal would add a section to to test... A proposal would add a section to the test to become an American citizen that would involve asking the applicant to describe photos of everyday scenes such as weather or food. In the current test, an officer evaluates speaking uh, bail uh, ability during the neutralization interview by asking personal questions the applicant has already answered in the neutralization paperwork the AP reported. For me, I think it would be harder to look at pictures and explain them said um, an Ethiopian uh, immigrant that immigrated here 10 years ago, passed the neutralization test in May and became a U.S. citizen in Minnesota in June. Um, A 32-year-old said she learned English as an adult after moving to the U.S. and found the... found found, uh, the English language to be very difficult, the AP recorded. Uh, Another proposed uh, change to the citizenship test would be to make the U.S. history and government civic civic section multiple choice format instead of short oral answer. Bill Bliss, a citizenship textbook uh, author in Massachusetts, said that would require a significantly higher level of language proficiency and test-taking skills. So the article goes on a little bit and, you know... um, in December, U.S. authorities said the, U- the test was due for an update after 15 years. The AP reported the newer version is expected late next year. So I think it's good. You know, you should know how to speak this fucking language because I'm getting sick of fucking calling places. And they're like, oh, if you want English, press one. If you want it, uh, whatever fucking language 
somebody else speaks, press two. No, it should be fucking English. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And you know, with that being said, we we still got a pretty heavy list of articles covered because this was a big week. So we're gonna take a little break and we'll be right back with you. Um, don't go anywhere because we're covering everybody's fa- favorite mentally ill transgender fucking male dick swinging dylan mulvaney we got my boy eric adams new york city we got some affirmative action shit still to cover we got some wef wef shit to cover and whatever the fuck mj has hey what's up everybody it's checkers and mj we are the hosts of the realist uncensored podcast we'll be dropping two episodes weekly the realist unwrap on wednesday and the realist weekly wrap up friday so come check out the realist uncensored podcast yeah and here's why we are bringing you the real issues in this country with our real uncensored opinions and saying what everyone in this country wants to say or has on their mind trust us you're not alone in how you think and feel so come check out the realist uncensored podcast you can find us on all podcast directories and also check out our website the realist uncensored.podbean.com for more info all right welcome back everybody you know we're back from our break hope you enjoyed our uh our message from our sponsors there and uh we're, we're gonna get right back into it mj's up with uh his next article i all don't right. know what the fuck he's doing but nope nope <laughs> it's all a surprise it's like the message mondays that it's not as bad as the message mondays no 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 my next one's from newsmax scotus Race ultimate targets ESG diversity rules. As the Supreme Court's landmark on race-based college admissions settles, one thing is clear. ESG policies that use race could also could be viewed as discriminatory, discriminatory and, uh, and a constitutional violation. The court's ruling that private universities cannot use a race as a factor for admission, experts say, the ruling could impact the labor market, leaving private companies for significant legal damages if they use diversity and inclusion to hire prom- uh, and promote based on race, gender, orientation. The rise of woke policies for companies known as ESG or environmental, social, and corporate governance rules have led many private enterprises embracing a subset of these so-called with so-called DEI or diverse equity and inclusion programs. But the Supreme court's decision to strike down race conscious admission programs in their, in their rulings on Thursday against Harvard and the university of North Carolina have a wide reach. The Supreme Supreme court's ruling makes clear that it is discrimination to, it is discrimination to award and deny opportunities based on racial categories said Corey Liu, an attorney at Butler Snow LLP and, Har- and a Harvard Law School alumni. Any employer who treats applicants based, uh, differently based on race is guilty of violating our, nation, yeah, our nation's civil rights. Conservative advocacy groups believe the ruling could have a similar wide reach across the private sector. Although this ruling applies specifically to college admissions, any ruling by the Supreme Court that reaffirms fundamental idea that the fundamental idea that ours is a colorblind constitution and a colorblind society should make those jobs who inject race into hiring decisions think twice, said Jenny Beth Martin, honorary chair of the Tea Party Patriots Action. This week's this week's ruling 
is a step in the right direction, she said. The court's high decision will let legally limited, while legally limited to education, essentially determine that diversity requirements are de facto discriminatory and unlawful and could face legal challenges. And it, it, it should, because you, you always hear about people, you know, oh, we need more diversity, so they're going to hire an, an Asian person, a black person, a Hispanic person, so they, or even just a woman to diversify their, their portfolio or, or whatever. It, even as far back when I was 18, I was going to join the police. And the fact that I was a white male actually was negative towards me. They said that you could have a perfect score and the next guy could be a, a, a person of color or a woman or a military veteran, which I'll step aside for the military veteran yeah. any fucking day. Yep. But because you're a woman or you're of a different race, you're going to get bumped ahead of me. Like, fuck you. If I do, if I do better than you, then I get the job. If you do better than me, oh, well, you, you get the, the job. Yeah, if you have the right credentials. That's what, that's yeah. exactly what it always should be. But you know what? When things like this go against the white people, you don't, we don't sit there and bitch about it. We, we fucking move on about it. But some of these other, the other races, uh, they, they jump on it, they harp on it and they hold on to it tight because they, they can't let go uh, for whatever reason. I don't know. There's many opportunities in this country. So, um, it is possible we could see some more legal challenges to uh, to racial programs and private businesses because people feel emboldened by this decision and try to get relief in the courts, said Brian Fitzpatrick, the Milton R. Uh, Underwood chair in uh, free enterprise at Vanderbilt University Law School. But he said private businesses are not restricted by the U.S. Constitution in the same way governments are limited. Fitzpatrick points out the only reason that the only reason Harvard University was found to be in violation of the law is because it receives federal money. But conservatives note that almost every major company in the U.S. does biz, business with the federal government, putting them in the middle, in the crosshairs of the new ruling, which is by design. They wanted it that way so they could tell the businesses how to, how to, do, uh, how to run their business, basically. Harvard was accused of breaking Title, five, uh, title IV, of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which bars discrimination based on color, race, or national origin under any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. While private businesses are bound by the same statutes, Fitzpatrick said it is more likely to see state governments that give preference to hiring people because of race now held to the ruling in the same fashion as UNC, a public institution. And... Oh, this is a really long article, but it goes on. Um, and I just, I think uh, it's a, a step in the right direction, you know, coming down and saying, you know, no matter what, which way you're going, if you're trying to be more diverse and you're, you're excluding uh, white people, then you, you're, being, you're being racist with your admissions as far as the colleges. And now it, if that continues with... Um, and I think it should move on to businesses. But that'll do it for that, Arco. All right. So they're, they're going to be working on the ESG, but they totally destroyed this. Supreme Court guts affirmative action, effectively ending race-conscious admissions. Hey. Fucking back this 100%.
Okay. In a historic decision, the U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday effectively ended race-conscious admission programs at colleges and universities across the country and decision divided along ideologically lines in a decision divided along (laughs) ideological yeah in a decision divided along ideological lines the sixth justice conservative (laughs) subjumoid (laughs) the sixth justice conservative supermajority in invalidated admissions programs at harvard and the university of north carolina the decision reverses decades of precedent upheld over the years by narrow supreme court majorities that include republican appointed justices it ends the ability of colleges and universities, public and private, to do what most say they still need to do. Consider race as one of the main, many factors in deciding which of the qualified applicants is to be admitted. Chief Justice John Roberts, a longtime critic of affirmative action programs, wrote the decision for court majority saying that the nation's colleges and universities must use colorblind criteria in admissions. So this this uh, article goes on to what the majority opinion was, the opposing view, um, you know, the door being slightly uh, left open, you know, uh, the broader impact of all of this, and, you know, um, how the case came to be. So, you know, if you don't, if you haven't heard about this, or you don't know what's going on with this, then you know, you might want to check out this article. It's from NPR, um, Supreme Court Guts Affirmative Action, Effectively Ending Race-Conscious Emissions, and you can check it out. I um, firmly believe that this is a good thing because uh, just like MJ was talking about previously about jobs, you should be going getting accepted to colleges because of your credentials in school. Exactly. To go on to higher education. It shouldn't be the color of your skin or, you know, male or female or whatever. It should be, you know, are you basically, are you smart enough to be going to this fucking school? Exactly. And nowadays, I don't even know why you want to be going to college. It's a fucking waste of money. Well, even still, like, I don't understand why these colleges, I do understand because they're getting government money or whatever, but... Why would you want to bring people that obviously can't perform to the to the rest of the, the school into the school because it's gonna quote unquote bring the bad people in? Because they don't care. It's all it's all money money scheme to them. Yep. Their col- yep. colleges are just trying to make money. They're not trying to give you an education. Right. So I I believe that this should be wiped out. You should be going to school based off your credentials, your education credentials, and not off the color of your skin, or if you're male or female. Or if your mommy and daddy can pay off somebody to get you in. Well, that, that's never going to go away. But, um, <laughs> you know, that, that, uh, you, that's what it should be, just like at work. You should be getting promoted or getting the job off your credentials like that. All this shit should be wiped out, and it's uh, kind of good to see, start seeing that Shit is moving in that direction. Yeah, finally, fucking yeah. 2023. Yeah. All right. So my next one's from Newsmax. More JFK assassination documents released. Come on, man. 
Wow. You probably had a hand in pulling the trigger so fucking old. (laughs) The National Archives and Records Administration released thousands of documents related to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy meeting a Friday deadline set in December memo by President Joe Biden. NARA said, which is N-A-R-A, said the on the JFK assassination records page on its website, it worked in concert with agencies to jointly review the remaining redactions in 3,648 documents in compliance with the president's directive. Between April and June, NARA posted 2,672 documents containing newly released information. At the National Archives, we believe in the importance of government transparency in the accessibility of information, said Colleen Shogan, the 11th activist of the United States, in a statement. The dedicated and detailed work completed by NARA's staff and our partners and stakeholder agencies is an excellent representation of how we can collaborate together to ensure the maximum uh, amount of information is available to tie American people Oh, to the American people while we protect what we must. What are you protecting? What is, what is, what are they protecting from the fucking 1960s? You know what I mean? That, that whole thing should be out. There's, there was a, a gunner, a gunman on the grassy knoll. Because so. the, the CIA was involved. It's exactly. already come out. And they don't want more evidence that shows they were involved <laughs> because then nobody's going to fucking take that agency seriously. No, exactly. Like the FBI. And yep, any anything pretty much with a three letter acronym to it. IRS. Mm. Mm. Which is I've I've heard that's actually a, an illegal entity that we oh, just feed into. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. Uh it goes on to say I have every confidence that the NDC's oh, look at that, three letters. National Declassification Center implement implement implementation of these plans offers a clear path forward for public transparency transparency and the timely release of additional information as circumstances warrant the largest block of more than 1000 documents was released Tuesday. Some documents re- contain redacted information because of national con- uh, security concerns. The Washington examiner reported Biden's memorandum re- referenced the 1992 president John F. Kennedy's assassination records collection act, which required the government to release all files related to the Kennedy assassination by late 2017, except for documents that could harm national security. So they just classified as not harmful to national security. That's why we will never know the real reason why he was killed. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas on November 2nd, 1963. Um, Wow. That's actually, we're coming up uh, to the, what is that? 60th year. Of his death. Uh, the Warren Commission concluded Lee Harvey, ha- Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman. But there have been many conspiracy theories about whether Os- Oswald was acting alone. Many historians hope the documents can reveal more about Oswald's actions, including whether anyone helped him. And that's the end of the article. CIA helped him. Yep. They had their, their hand in it because he was probably doing something they didn't want him to do. Or say something they didn't want to say. So they say, all right, we're taking you out. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I motherfucker, we're taking you out. Now I'm saying. 
All right. My next one's from Breibart. Joe Biden uh, denies any mistakes with Afghanistan withdrawal. I was right. Pedophile Joe Biden on Friday insisted he made no mistakes with the withdrawal of Afghanistan, which left 13 American troops dead and more injured. He made his comments following the State Department's release of an after-action review of the um, bungled exit. After, uh, sorry, Biden uh, had just delivered live remarks on the Supreme Court ruling striking down as 430 million, uh, sorry, billion dollar student loan forgiveness plan. And as he exits the room, a journalist asked him if he would admit the failure of Afghanistan. Mr. Pedophile, do you admit the failure in Afghanistan? mistakes there was there was a there was a report on afghanistan withdrawal saying where where there was failure mistakes do you admit there was mistakes during the withdrawal or and before the journalist asked pedophile biden turned around and responded no no all the evidence is coming back do you remember what i said about afghanistan i said al-qaeda would not be there. I said it wouldn't wouldn't be there. I said we'd get help from the Taliban. What's happening now? What's going on? Read your press. I was right. Another journalist tried to ask him about the report, but Biden walked out of the room. It was not the first time the pedophile denied any regrets about the drawdown, which saw U.S. officials, contractors, and citizens flee haphazardly after the Taliban swept into cabal and toppled the U.S.-backed government. The report, which focused on the State Department actions, blamed both the Trump and Biden administrations for the failure, I mean, for failing the plan for the worst-case scenarios. The State Department's report was released on Friday before the 4th of July weekend, prompting journalists to question the White House briefing if that was done to bury the reports of their findings. To date, no one has been fired for the withdrawal, causing the deaths of 13 U.S. troops and approximately 170 Afghan Afghans after the Islamic State and Iraq and Syria suicide bomber targeted a gate at the airport where the chaotic evacuation was staged. Testimony to Congress from Marine Staff Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews revealed that he and others spotted the suicide bomber, but were not given permission to engage as reported by Breibart News. He was wrong. Yeah, totally. Completely wrong. Yep. If, if, they, if, they, if they didn't do it the way he did it, those 13 um, soldiers would still be with their families right now, probably. And that just shows, you know, the... the and who you are as a man, as a leader, that you can't admit wrong when maybe you did make a mistake. A good leader and a good man will admit that he made a mistake in that that area. So that just shows who the fuck he is. But yeah, and that you know, it's a joke. It is a joke. Is that it for that one? Yeah. All right. My next one is from the Daily Mail. The highest office White House guessing game begins after cocaine found in for- library 
forced hazmat evacuation two days after recovering drug addict Hunter Biden was on the property. I don't know. It probably was his. He was the last one in the room. (laughs) (laughs) We know because his laptop was there. (laughs) (laughs) President Joe Biden, his son Hunter, and members of the first family arrived back at at the White House uh, mirrored in controversy on Tuesday after cocaine found by Secret Service agents sparked an evacuation and hazmat situation. A dispatch called review by the DailyMail.com reveals a preliminary test found that the white powder discovered on Sunday tested positive for cocaine and led to emergency services shutting down 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The Secret Service is now has now launched an investigation to track down how the substance got there and who was responsible for the breach. The, the breach. <laughs> <laughs> They're making it sound so fucking... <laughs> Nobody breached. It was from the inside. The discovery came two days after a recovering drug addict, Hunter, 52, was last seen at the White House as he headed to Camp David with his father for the long holiday weekend. Trolls are speculating that the president's addicted son is the source of the illegal substance. However, the White House Library is part of the public tour experienced by hundreds uh, daily. Oh, shut up. You're going to try to blame it on fucking somebody? Right, even though his hit Hunter is a fucking well-known drug addict? Dude, they they fucking probably check everything that you come in with there, in there with, like bags. They probably want to strip search you. Yeah, I I haven't been to the White House, but I'm just imagining that I haven't been to yeah. the White House either. But I can I I would I would hope yeah that they would they would at least have you leave just, your bags because I just to get into the State House you got to fucking they got to check your bags your pockets go through a metal detector yep all this shit empty your pockets out for a field trip in high school we went to the State House and this kid had a bunch of fucking weed in his bag so he chucked it the bag in the bushes on the way in yeah and then on the way out. He went to go get the bag, and the state house security was like, hey, what the fuck you doing? Oh, shit. Because this was pretty close to 9-11, so they thought there was oh, a bomb in the fucking right, bag. Right, but, right, But, you know, I can imagine trying to get into the White House. Right. Like, it's going to be even like, more going to bring who's yeah. going to bring cocaine into the White House? Come on now. Yeah, it's not a bunch of high school kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, the White House library is part of the public tour experience by Hunter's Daily meaning there could be multiple suspects. It also has two floors below the family's living quarters. What, it fall through the floor? <laughs> the fuck? While di- uh, this dispatch recording clearly says library, a source familiar with the incident told DailyMail.com that the substance was not found inside the executive mansion, but was discovered in a work area in the west wing of the White House. So now they don't know where the fuck they found it. That's cool. Oh, man. Uh, a Secret Service statement confirms this. On Sunday evening, what the White, House complex, uh, the White House complex went into a precautionary closure as officers from the Secret Service and un, in, uninformed, oh, oh, uniform division investigated an unknown item found inside a work area The statement reads, the D.C. Fire Department was called to evaluate and quickly determine the item to be non-hazardous. It continues. 
The item was sent for further evaluation and investigation to the cause and manner of how it entered the White House is pending. Hunter arrived back into uh, back in Washington D.C. on Tuesday for the annual Independence Day celebration on the South Lawn. Into his wife. Where the fuck is the coke I left in this room? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's probably what the he worker was took it outside. He was like, "I'm going to save this for later, but I'm going to leave it out where somebody can find it." Um, I know, I know, I left it in this room. <laughs> In tow was wife Melissa Cohen and their uh, unhappy son Bo, three, who was crying with his uh, as his father carried him to the car f- at Fort McNair to head back to the White House. A U.S. Ex- uh, Secret Service is con- conducting further tests to confirm confirm the substance is the illegal drug. He is also he also said that President Joe Biden was not in the executive mansion when the substance was uh, discovered. Authorities are investigating how the cocaine got into the White House. Pro-Trump, Pro-Trump Republican Rep. Jim Banks tweeted, they never found cocaine in the Trump White House. <laughs> the Bidens are unfit to live in the White House, he wrote in a follow-up tweet with a link to a story on the cocaine found in the mansion. Meanwhile, far-right Newsmax host Rob Schmidt said during a report, cocaine discovery... It wouldn't be a thumping July 4th weekend without Hunter Biden ripping lines off a bust of Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) 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 Cocaine was found at the White House and Hunter Biden currently lives at the White House. FBI has no clue who it belongs to because they don't know what the fuck they're doing in the first place because the FBI lives, is fucking retarded. Of course he lives at the fucking White House. He doesn't have a house. Yeah, because he fucking <laughs> snorts it up his fucking nose. Anyone who want, uh, anyone want to help them? A Twitter journalist with nearly 200,000 followers uh, wrote, and uh, a uniformed member of the USSS found the white uh, powder substance while conducting a routine round through the White House. And that'll do it for that article. Uh, we all know pretty much what it is. You know, they're just trying to... It was found in the library, and then now they're trying to say it was found in a work area, which obviously, if it's a work area, that would be... It'd be not, Joe's himself. It probably is. Yeah, maybe it is Joe. It fell, <laughs> fell out when he, when he fucking... When he farted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My next one is from OAN. New York City mayor compares white woman who asked question about raising rent to slave owner. I told you we'd have uh, Eric Adams. <laughs> In a bizarre reaction, New York City mayor Eric Adams compared an elderly white woman to a plantain plantation owner on Wednesday when she complained about rising rent prices at the public event in the city. The meltdown took place at a community uh, conversation event that Adams hosted at um, Giorgio uh, High School for Science and Mathematics in Washington Heights. Footage that captured the event showed Adams asking the woman to stand up after she interrupted him to call out that he raised rent. I'm the mayor of the city and treat me with respect that would... uh, that would deserve to be treated. Adams uh, said, don't stand in front of me like you tre- like you treated someone that's on the plantation that you owned, he stated. First of all, so just in your mind, you, you think you're a slave. Because if you're going to bring it to that, like 
somebody talking to you and just saying, Hey, you raised rent, maybe pointing a finger at you. And you're going to say, Oh, it's because I'm black. You know, you're talking to me like a slave. Okay. Well then it sounds like a problem that you're trying to start because that lady didn't say anything racist, didn't say anything at all about race or being a plantation owner or she owns you or any of this. You turned it into that. And take a look around rents up fucking everywhere. So yeah. Um, the mayor continued to reprimand the lady as he was upset and she pointed her finger at him. First off, you're going to ask a question. Don't point at me and don't disrespect. Don't be disrespectful to me. He said, I'm a grown man. I walked into the room as a grown man and I will walk out of the room as a grown man. Well, you might've walked in as a grown man, but you sound like a fucking child. Okay. Yeah, you sound like a fucking bitch is what yeah, you do. Yeah, that's what you sound like. And, and and I bet you if a grown-ass fucking man said you raised rent, you wouldn't be acting like this. No. Because you're a fucking bitch. You're yep. talking down to a female, and, you know, that that just shows how you think of females. Because she didn't say anything about, about race. You turned it into that. Right. So I'm going to bring it into this next article. Eric Adams refuses to apologize for comparing an 84-year-old woman Holocaust survivor to a plantation owner. The Gateway Pundit previously reported on the offensive comments by New York City Mayor Eric Adams to an elderly woman who posed a question about rent increase in New York. The exchange occurred on Wednesday at the town hall meeting in Washington Heights, Manhattan, which uh, we talked about in response to the questions raised by uh, the 84-year-old woman and assistant professor of biology at Rutgers University and decades-long tenant advocate, Mayor Adams, went on a tirade. And, you know, it goes on. And, um, you know, the, the lady ha- has more than 40 years advocation for low-income New Yorkers of all races as a co-founder of the Riverside Edgecombe Neighborhood Association. Oh, I bet you fucking... Dipshit didn't know that. No, no. During the interview on 1010 Wins Friday morning, New York City Mayor Eric Adams defended his controversial remarks made towards an 84-year-old tenant whom had compared to he compared to a plantation owner. Adams justified his rhetoric, saying, Well, some can say that and her behavior was acting in disrespectful way, and I'm just seeing this disrespect that we're displaying not only locally, but nationally disrespect to police officers, officers disrespecting religious groups when they are in our city, when they are in our city, disrespect to everyday people who deliver services and it needs to stop. You know, I came from a family that, uh, that mom made it clear never allow someone to disrespect, uh, be disrespectful to you. Nobody was being disrespectful for you. They were stating a fucking fact that you raise rent which you fucking did, okay? Yeah. You are a fucking moron. And just because you're black does not give you the right to turn everything into a fucking race issue because a white person said something to you that you don't fucking like, okay? You're the piece of shit that's racist. The first thing you said when she said, hey, you raise rent? Oh, you're talking to me like I'm a plantation owner. Okay, so are you you fucking, are you an owned slave? Is that what you're saying? Because you hold a pretty high fucking position in New York City. But yet, you're, you still want to turn everything into a fucking race issue. Yep. Because that's fucking, division right there. Fucking joke. Yep. Little bitch. 
Eric Adams is because he guarantee he would not say that to a man. He's going to pick on an 84 year old woman who survived the Holocaust. Fucking dipshit Adams was not part of the slave trade. No, no. Okay. Not at all. She actually went through some shit. Exactly. He didn't. Nope. So shut your fucking mouth. (laughs) How about that? Adams. Sounds good to me. Fuck. He needs to shut, shut the fuck up. So, my next one is from The People's Voice. Ready? You don't have to worry about shit anymore, okay? The government's going to take care of you. Who, me? Take care of all of us. Oh, okay. The WEF says fashion will be abolished by 2030. Humans will all wear uniforms. So, see? You don't have to worry about, you know, the next, the next uh, piece of clothing that's, you know, trending and all that shit. We're going to be wearing the same shit. A newly resurfaced report written in 2019 states that humans will only be permitted, permitted to buy three items of clothing per year and will be prohibited from buying or consuming meat. There we go. This is what we've been saying on this fucking, on this podcast, but you know, published in 2019, the future of urban consumption in a, 1.5 degrees Celsius world. That's a fucking weird title. Uh, report funded by the WEF sets out extreme targets for governments around the globe to reduce greenhouse gas emissions as consistent with the 2015 Paris Agreement ambitions. The report outlines six areas where governments can take rapid action to address consumption-based emissions, food, construction, clothing, uh, vehicles, aviation, and electronics. There's really only two that really pollute the earth, which is construction and aviation. Well, I guess the manufacturing of electronics, but um, the report demonstrates that mayors, uh, mayors have an even bigger role and opportunity to help avert climate emergency than previously thought. While uh, analysis addresses big global questions, it, its purpose is to inspire practical action. Average consumption-based emissions in C40 cities must have, must have, meaning half, within the next 10 years. In our wealthiest and highest consuming cities, that means a reduction of two-thirds or more by 2030. Mark Watts, executive director of C40. You're already talking like fucking 90 sci-fi well, movies. In the, in the 1.5 degrees Celsius, that's a goal that they want to get the temperature of the planet to, which is like 34 degrees Fahrenheit. That's their ideal temperature. So, oh, so that's what that is. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we're going to be that's fucking cool. cold fucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's now clear that uh, that action to reduce consumption will be necessary as part of the global effort to mitigate climate change. The actions set out in, a, in the report are challenging and they will be conf, uh, confronting for many, but we think are necessary. City mayors can set a vision and, co- and convene actors to bring out the changes we described. Look at that. Set a vision and convene actors. There's just another reason not to, not to fucking feed into Hollywood. Um, the work reported here for, uh, forces a focus on what a sustainable urban future might look like and help us consider what policies, regulations, incentives, and behavioral changes will be necessary to change to a zero-carbon world. 
You'll never be a fucking zero carbon world. Never. You need to have carbon emissions at some point. The earth has its own carbon emissions, even if discounting us. So get the fuck out of here with your stupid bullshit. I mean, this this article is pretty long because, of course, they're going to dive into fucking all this stupid bullshit. But uh, make sure to give it a, uh, a read. The People's Voice, WEF fashion, will be abolished by 2030. Humans will all wear a uniform. Fuck I am. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> they're they're fucked. Like if they really they really sit behind their desks that are probably twenty five feet wide and they're going, Yeah, this sounds good. As they're sitting there fucking stuffing their fat fucks faces and fucking, you know, oh, this is what we can do to fucking suppress the country and the the, the world. Yeah, it's not gonna work because we're all gonna rebel against it. Well, and not, I can fucking not, guarantee not, that. Not all of us. No, not, not all of us. Not all of us. All the same thinking ones, yeah. we will. But that'll but be it The that. ones dependent on the government will be like, okay. Yeah, oh, that's fine. That's I don't need meat anyways. Everybody that took the COVID vaccine, okay. <laughs> yeah, because they're probably going to press a button. They're going to be like, yes, we will comply. <laughs> the next one I have is from Slay News. W-E-F's Klaus Schaub. Chinese Communist Party is a role model. Klaus Schwab, the founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum, the WEF, has heaped praise on Chinese brutal dictatorship describing the ruling Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, as a role model for other countries. Schwab celebrated the communist regime during an interview Wednesday with the CCP-run Chinese TV network. The WEF hosts an annual conference in Davos, Switzerland, where trains many of the world's heads of state on ushering in the organization's globalist agenda. As Slay News has previously reported, uh, Professor Schwab, a German economist, openly gloats that several world leaders are in his pocket and that he has installed WEF operatives in upper echelons of powerful government administrations. In 2017, Schwab boasted that the WEF has penetrated global cabinets and controls the leaders of several sovereign nations, including Germany, Russia, Canada, Argentina, and France. Makes sense with everything that's going on in France right now. While Schwab is somewhat open about his ambition to be a global puppet master, his latest revelation concerning his inspiration is deeply concerning. While speaking during a Wednesday interview with some Chinese person, the host of the World <laughs> Insight program on the Beijing-based China Glo- Global Television Network, Schwab discussed the recent G20 and B20 meetings in Bali, Indonesia. So this goes on about the interview and um, that, that Schwab was involved with, but... Um, if you don't know, that's when we bring up the 2030 agenda. That would be his idea. He wants everything, all this shit done, you know, whether it be the uniforms, you know, um, uh, genetically processed meat, fucking eating bugs, um, you know, blocking the sun now. The fucking list goes on. This is the guy that wants it all done. He wants uh, the Great Reset in the agenda to restructure society and every country. Right. And exactly. he wants to be pulling all the strings and telling you what you do. 
So, you know, that's why we're against the whole electric car thing, because what do you think they're going to do when, when that happens? Oh, you, you said something we don't like, let's, let's shut off your car. Yep. And then that digital, digital banking currency, what do you shut what, down? Yeah. Shut down. You won't be able to do that. And you know what they're going to do with that digital banking currency. They're going to start monitoring, which they are doing in New York. They're not doing it with people or restaurants, you know, uh, regular people or restaurants, but you know, with, um, hospitals and other people like that, they're going to start tracking what you're buying. Yeah. So they're going to start that in New York. And if they start that, where do you think it's going to end up going? Right. So that's what they want. And you know, you start buying too much, you start buying too much. It's, um, it's going to end up fucking, Oh, we're going to shut off your account. You're not allowed to buy food anymore. Or if you bought, if you still have a gas vehicle, Oh, you went over fucking uh, your 40 gallons allowed for the month. Yep. Not doing that. Oh, you use too much electricity. We're, we're shutting you off. Right. Exactly. So my next one is from Fox News. Biden likely violated First Amendment during COVID-19 pandemic, federal judge says. And here we go just <laughs> with another thing that. He did, and he's still fucking sitting in that seat, and I, I on, can't man. stand it. Yeah, I'll fuck you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, so the article starts, uh, a U.S. district court judge is temporarily preventing White House officials from meeting with tech companies about social media censorship, arguing that such actions in the past were likely First Amendment violations. The Tuesday injunction by Louisiana Judge Terry... A. Doherty was a response in recent lawsuits from Louisiana and Missouri attorney, attorneys general. The, suit allege, the suits allege that the White House uh, coerced or significantly encouraged tech companies to uh, suppress free speech during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I actually did see clips from executives from Twitter, executives from the old Twitter before, um, before Elon took it over. Mm-hmm. And also Zuckerberg was up there looking like a scared little boy because they were, they were coming down pretty hard on him, which they should, because you're the face of meta and you know, he, they basically, they took money from the government to suppress the, um, the things about COVID-19 they didn't want put out there. Like the fact that some people are immune, some people mildly get sick, some people, have no symptoms. Some people have some symptoms. Like they wanted the doom and gloom, so that way they you you were scared to get the fucking injection. That that was their that was their objective. Uh, the Tuesday injunction by Louisiana Judge Terry A. Doherty was in a response to recent lawsuits from Louisiana and Missouri Gen- attorneys general. I already said that. Uh, the suits alleged that the White House co- coerced. I said that already. <laughs> Doherty is barring several federal officials and agencies, including some of Biden's ca- cabinet members and White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre from contacting social media companies in efforts to suppress speech. Uh, the injunction, which was obtained by Fox News, states that the government's actions likely violate the free speech clause and that the court is not persuaded by defendants' arguments, dealing a significant blow to the White House. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty by the United States government, uh, 
Oh, the United States government seemed to have assumed a role similar to in Orrin, Orrinwell in Ministry of Truth, Doherty wrote. If the allegations made by plaintiffs are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack of against free speech in the United States history, the injunction adds. In their attempts to suppress alleged dis- disinformation, the federal government, and particularly the defendants named there, are alleged to have blatantly ignored the First Amendment rights of- to free speech. The injunction also claims that the censorship al- alleged in this case most almost exclusively targeted conservative speech, but that issues but that issues the case raises are beyond party lines. The viewpoint discrimination is an especially uh, egregious form of content discrimination, Doherty argued. The the government abstained from regulating speech when the specific motivating ideology of the perspective of the speaker is the uh, the rational for the restriction. The cases could mean that the interactions between tech companies and government officials may be significantly limited in the future. It should be. They need they need to have their own accounts and say their shit on their own accounts, not influence other accounts. And because people like us that were had our heads on straight with the COVID nineteen pandemic, with masks and all this other shit, we were. I was actually starting to think. I don't know about you, but I was starting to think like, wait, am I actually fucking weird? Like I see all these people, they're they're fucking gloving up, they're fucking gelling up like crazy, they're fucking masking up, two masks sometimes, three masks. Like, driving by themselves, masked up, I'm good to go. Like, what the fuck? You're not a superhero. <laughs> fuck. Get the fuck, get the mask off. Yeah. But, I don't know. It, this goes on and on. Um, it'll be uh, it'll be cool that, to see this actually, like, get pushed through and, you know, there's actually a conviction, so there's actually something moving. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff moving towards allegations, but there's nothing convicting i want that fucking i want that conviction so that'll do it for that article okay this one this next one's from cbs news judge limits biden administration's contact with social media companies oh man right before election what (laughs) a judge on tuesday prohibited several federal agencies and officials of the biden administration from working with social media companies about protected speech a decision called a blow to censorship by one of the Republican officials whose lawsuit prompted the ruling. U.S. District Judge Terry um, uh, Doherty of Louisiana granted the injunction in response to a 2022 lawsuit brought by attorneys generals in Louisiana and Missouri. Their lawsuit alleged that federal government overstepped in its efforts to convene social media companies to address postings that could result in vaccine hesitancy during the COVID-19 pandemic on or affect elections. Uh, the U.S. District Judge cited substantial evidence of a far-reaching censorship campaign. He wrote that he he wrote that the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost um, dystopian scenario. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to the Orwellian Ministry of Truth. 
Republican Senator Eric Schmidt, who was the Missouri Attorney General when the lawsuit was filed, said on Twitter that the ruling was a huge win for the First Amendment and a blow to censorship. Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry said the injunction prevents the administration from censoring the core political speech of ordinary Americans on social media. The evidence in our case is shocking and offensive with senior federal officials deciding that they could uh, dictate what Americans can and cannot say on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms about COVID-19 election elections, criticism of the government and more Landry said in a statement, the justice department is reviewing the injunction and will evaluate the options in the case Said a white house official who was not authorized to discuss the case publicly and spoke on condition of an anonymity. The administration uh, has performed responsible actions to protect public health, safety, and security when confronted by challenges like deadly pandemic and foreign attacks on our elections, the official said. Our co constant view rem uh, remains the social media platforms have a critical responsibility to account on the effects their platforms have on the American people, but make independent choices about the information that is present. So the article goes on a little, and um, I think this is great news. You can get, hopefully, hopefully, um, social media stops censoring everybody, and me and MJ can get our fucking shit out to more people. Exactly. Yeah, that would, that would be great. It would be great, and you know, if it to get it out to more people, the people that are listening to this show right now and downloading it every week, you guys should be sharing the show. So yeah, it gets out to more people. So we don't have to depend on whether social media is going to censor us or not. Right. Exactly. There's nothing censoring you guys. You guys can do it pretty easily. Just, you know, write it down or, or bring it up on, on their phone, have them bring up yeah. their, their podcast directory and just type it in. You know what it look, you know what our icon looks like and everything like that. That's so, what I do when somebody fucking asks, yeah. Hey, you got the shot. I'll be like, yeah, let me show you. Let me see your phone. I'll download it for you. Oh, perfect. <laughs> they're, like, they're always like, oh, Arthur, thank you. <laughs> so my next so one. So share is, the show. Yeah, share the show. My next one's from Trending Politics News. Is that your last one? You got one more after that. No, this, this is the last one. Oh, okay. Uh, ticket pre-sales for Sound of Freedom surges past $10 million. And for those of you that didn't know, I didn't know, is... Um, well, let me let me let me read let me read this. Maybe they'll they'll, they'll actually get into it. Oh, okay. Pre-sales for Angel Studio Sound of Freedom have surged past ten million dollars, according to a report from Deadline. The film, which uh, focuses for, on former DHS agent Tim Ballard and his efforts to co uh, combat child trafficking, is expected to haul in more than twenty million dollars over its six-day opening weekend. Six-day opening weekend. I didn't know we had six-day weekends. An impressive showing for the independent studio. After leaving the Department of Homeland Security, Ballard started Operation Underground Railroad, which rescues children from child trafficking rings around the world. The organization also donates technology and funding to law enforcement agencies that investigate child trafficking. Yeah, if they're not if they're not already involved in it, which most of them are. Jim uh, uh, Jim Cavazel, I don't know how to say his name who is best known for playing Jesus Christ in Mel Gibson's The Passion, is playing the leading the lead role, Ballard. 
So far, more than 1 million tickets have been purchased, representing a massive achievement for the faith-based studio. According to Ballad, the legendary actor-director Mel Gibson oversaw the final edit of the film, though he was not credited on a IMDb. Gibson urged moviegoers to buy tickets in an impassioned video statement on Monday, stating that awareness needed to be raised about this horrid practice. The most disturbing problem in our world today is human trafficking, and particularly the trafficking of children. Absolutely. The first step in eradicating this crime is awareness, which I do agree with, but I think we've known about it for quite some time now, so action needs to be need to be taken on a, on a large scale. Uh, now, the, um, uh, go, go see The Sound of Freedom, Gibson said, in a in a plea directed to the audience. Angel Studios tracked its pre-sales ticket numbers, which currently sits at 1,086,000 as of this report. The studio is hoping to surpass $2 million, the $2 million mark before the film's July 4th opening. In an interview with the Christian Post, Sound of Freedom producer Eduardo Varasque said the, he was drawn to Ballard's story after meeting him and hearing about the horrific realities of human trafficking. We're talking about millions of children around the world kidnapped for sex. These kids are being raped 15 times a day for many years, he said. And when the traffickers don't want them anymore because they're not fresh meat anymore, that's how they talk, they open them, uh, they open them and sell their organs. If this doesn't move you, if this is not enough for you to wake up and do something, I think you're dead. I hope this movie will touch millions of hearts. And damn, talk about fucking <laughs> ending the ending the article. That's it. <laughs> that's how they ended it. But yeah, that's it's absolutely true. It's fucking disgusting. And now Hollywood's up in arms about this because you know why? Because half those actors, fucking directors, everybody, they're involved in this shit. Yeah, how the fuck can you make a movie on our internal network. What the uh, fuck? I know. You're airing out all our dirty laundry. <laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to get into everybody's mentally uh, favorite mentally ill transgender male. Okay. Oh, so long. A couple articles we're going to cover. I'm going to blast right through them. All Fucking right. Anheuser-Busch CEO declines to say if brand would partner with Dylan Mulvaney after Bud Light failure. Okay, so he was on uh, CBS Mornings and, um, you know, said that the company is experiencing challenging few weeks and laminated uh, a device, uh, a device. The conversation be uh, became about Bud Light. It's been a challenging few weeks. I think the conversation surrounding Bud Light has moved away from the beer and the conversation has become more device. The, um, and Bud Light really doesn't belong there. Bud Light should be all about bringing people together and there's impact on our business. And I think it publicly covered Bud Light significantly. Um, specifically, Wentworth said. When uh, the co-host of the show asked what the company intended to do, he dismissed the conversation and said it was all over one can. Okay, well, that that's part of your problem is you don't understand why there's so much... Um, issue with what's going on okay mm. um but bring it into the next article from newsmax former uh bush 
executive, our CEO for Mulvaney Bud Light Backlash, former Anheuser-Busch executive Anson Frederick said the company's CEO has failed to fix Bud Light crisis and must quit now for the sake of Americans 401ks. It's clear to me and it's time for the shareholders on the board of Anheuser-Busch or Transheuser-Busch as I like to call it to ask Brendan Wentworth a to step down. Frederick said in a Daily Mail column hours after transgender influencer Dick Swing and Dylan Mulvaney said he felt abandoned by Bud Light after facing more bullying and transphobia than I could ever have imagined over the partnership with the beer giant. Well, if you're so big, you shouldn't feel feel abandoned because you'd be like, fuck it, whatever. I got all these other people in my corner. Okay, so then uh, we'll bring it over into this one. It's um, the backlash still continues. This is what Wentworth's worried about. Bud Light is now cheaper than water in some places. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some retailers are taking drastic steps by dropping prices on Bud Light as uh, backlash continues, okay? And this one is from the Daily Caller. Um, after the beer brand uh, partnered with transgender social media influencer, according to the New York Times, uh, retailers that carry Bud Light are having trouble selling the beer, with one retailer having to sell the product for cheaper than water, according to the NYT conservatives began to boycott the brand in April after the company partnered with Dick Swingin' Dylan Mulvaney, who's a man, by creating customized cans it's with, with this mentally ill fuck up's face on them. Okay. At this point, it's cheaper than some of the cases of water we're selling in the back, said Andy. Andy Wagner, manager of uh, Glenn, Mill, Glenn Miller's Beer and Soda Warehouse, according to the NYT, it's just not moving like it used to. Wagner noted that Bud Light sales at the store were down 45% compared to a year ago. The NYT reported a 30-pack of Miller Light at the store sells for $24.99 compared to a 30-pack of Bud Light, which sells for $8.99 after the rebate. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Total uh, total Bud Light sales continue to plummet with sales uh, the week of January 17th falling almost 30% compared to the same week last year. Modelia Special All uh, surpassed Bud Light as America's top-selling beer in May. Okay. Now we'll get into the next one from Newsmax. Dylan Mulvaney. A man bashes Bud Light as brand continues to free fall. Okay. Transgender influencer Dick Swinging Dylan Mulvaney lashed out at Bud Light on Thursday for abandoning him in the wake of their ill fated partnership and giving customers permission to be transphobic and hate as hateful as they want. Yes. In an emotional Instagram video, the social media star broke his silence. His, H-I-S, because he's a he, him. Yes, he is. And tearfully revealed that he, nearly 2 million followers, that he has faced public uh, ridicule and felt intense loneliness since the partnership. 
for the company to hire a trans person and not publicly stand by them is worse than not hiring a trans person at all. Mulvaney 26 said the comments from the content creator uh, come after Transizer Bush CEO Brent, Brendan Wentworth, who has no fucking balls and can't admit he fucked up on Wednesday, declined to say if the company would collaborate with Dick Swing and Mulvaney again. Previously, the nation's top-selling beer, the Belgian-based beer giant, has taken a $20 billion hit among, amid the sustained consumer boycott. Mulvaney said that the science... Sorry, not the science. Mulvaney said that since he promoted Bud Light in the video posted to his social media on April 1st, he's been scared to leave his home and experience more bullying and transphobia than I could ever imagine. Supporting trans people isn't political. He said... There should be nothing device or controversial about working with us. The trans activist said Bud Light has not attempted to contact him since gifting him with a customized can of his image. I, his image dressed like a fucking 12-year-old. So that, that article, they really put she in where, where you're emphasizing the he and the him and all that shit. They actually put she or yeah. her. I was scared of more backlash and I felt personally guilty for what transpired. Dick Swing and Mulvaney said, you should. I patiently waited for things to get better, but I was waiting for the brand to reach out to me and they never did. He also said that he won't tolerate people saying that he doesn't like fear because he's also loved it. And plans to put the specially designed can Bud Light sent him in a museum behind bulletproof glass. One thing, so you're 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 all about beer and everything, but don't you identify or uh, did I identify as like a preteen girl? Yeah, so you shouldn't be drinking beer. Yeah, promoting it to children. Mm-hmm. Transheiser Bush has been fighting to recover from backlash since the Bud Light. Dick Swing and Mulvaney partnership, which also affected sister brands Budweiser and oh, Chickalope Ultra. That's my brother words. (laughs) Chickalope. I love that. (laughs) Early in the controversy, No Balls Wentworth (laughs) told, told the beer company's customers, we hear you. You don't fucking hear shit, you little bitch. To all our valued customers, we hear you, he said. Our our summer advertising launch launches next week, and you can look forward to Bud Light reinforcing what you've always loved about our brand, that it's easy to drink and easy to enjoy. As we move forward, we'll, uh, we'll focus on what we do best, brewing great beer and earning uh, our place and the moments that matter to you. The New York Post reported Bud Light sales for the week ending June 20th were down 28.5% from a year ago. It's steepest drop yet. Okay. So there's also a tweet that I saw from Matt Walsh, which I agree with. You know, Dick Swing and Dylan over here made himself a mascot for transgenderism, profited immensely from it, used a platform to push for mutilation of children, and experienced a completely justified backlash. I agree. Absolutely. 
And as Matt Walsh has no sympathy for him, because he wrote him, good. me and MJ have no sympathy for the backlash that you are receiving. No, you're a grown person and you're trying you to fucking are, emulate a 12-year-old you, you girl. You are Fuck a you. mentally ill, fucked up individual yep. that, like, why, I don't understand why you'd want children mutilated. Yeah, chemically or, or, and or then physically. It came out that Dylan, uh, Dick Swing and Dylan Mulvaney opens up about how the anti-trans uproar over, her, over him from Bud Light has affected his mental health. Fuck you. Who cares? That that affected your mental health? You've been a fucking mental <laughs> health case since you've fucking been identifying as a fucking preteen little girl when you're fucking in your mid-20s yep. with a fucking dick swinging between your legs, you piece of shit. Yep, exactly. Okay, now, last article. This is a big one. Glass bottling company lays off hundreds after Bud Light implosion. Okay. As Breibart News, because this is from Breibart, reported Bud Light has founded a uh, a floundering brand, has been a floundering brand since a partnered with Dick Swing and Mulvaney and has been replaced by Modelo as America's number one beer. Anson Fredericks, who previously served as president of sales and distribute distribute ah, sales and distribution of Transheiser Bush, said some of the corporations need to have better understanding of their audience. Fuck yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Now it seems that Bud Light controversy has now spread out to affect other companies that branded brand worked with, according to the WRAL, um, the uh, a glass bottling company that include that includes Transheiser Bush as a partner has laid off roughly six hundred and forty five people. Are you happy, fucking Dylan? Are you are you happy? You're causing 645 people to lose their fucking job. And everybody can say, oh, it's because of the backlash because of conservatives. You know, they don't want, you know, these transphobic fucking people. No, it's not that. Transized Bush wanted to line up with a fucking mentally ill fuck up and that identifies as a child and use that to promote their beer. So what are you doing? You're promoting your beer to children. And then later on, after this fucking whole partnership, he then comes out as a lesbian. So now what is he doing? He's going after little girls. So what are you going to do? You're going to give him a little, little beer, get him a little drunk. And then you're going to take to do what you want with him. You fucking pedophile piece of shit. So that article goes on. You can check that out. It's from Breibart. Uh, glass bottling company lays off hundreds after Bud Light implosion. And you know what? To that other stupid fuck, Alyssa, whoever the fuck her last name is, you know what you should put on your LinkedIn profile because you were so happy to put on your LinkedIn profile that I'm, I'm the first female VP marketing uh, marketing uh, vice president. You, you should put on your fucking LinkedIn profile or anywhere where you you can put it i'm i'm the first female to fucking destroy an iconic american company but that that's just, what you should be fucking putting on your fucking website so she's at the she's at the head of it but then all of these motherfuckers she's been out for for months now all these motherfuckers are just fucking bitches because they're not they, they should have if they're such an american company and that's supposed to mean boldness that's supposed to mean in your face that's supposed to be unapologetic 
You should be saying, yeah, we hired that bitch. It's supposed to be toxic masculinity. <laughs> and that bitch is the reason why Dylan Mulvaney was part of it. We, we got rid of her. We got rid of Dylan. We're not, we're not siding with them. And I, your, your sales wouldn't have dipped down, and then they would have come back up. But because you're, you're still not fucking apologizing for it, your company's going down. Well, when you got known balls, Wentworth fucking lead, lead, <laughs> leading the helm, like fucking, it's not going to happen. Right. Okay. So you got anything else to add? No, sir. If it's your first time listening to the show on YouTube, Rumble, or your favorite podcast directory, please give us a subscribe or follow. We'd really appreciate it because then you get those automatic downloads and it would just help you out if you like the show. Um, so while you're doing that, you can head over to our Instagram and Twitter and give us a follow at checkers underscore and underscore MJ. We are on truth at the underscore realist underscore uncensored. We are YouTube and rumble at the realist uncensored. That is one word. Uh, go check out our videos over there. Uh, you can also email us at the realist uncensored at gmail.com. That is, uh, you know, you can just Give us show ideas, maybe some unwrap ideas. You could maybe just want to have a conversation with us. And, you know, we're, we're open to having that conversation. Uh, episodes will be dropping weekly on Wednesday and Friday. And be on the lookout for MJ's Message Mondays. Those will be on Monday. They will be on Monday. And if you're, uh, if you're subscribed to the show, you won't have to worry about when the fuck he's actually going to drop them. Exactly, because you're going to look at your phone and be like, oh, shit. They dropped a message Monday. Yeah. Yeah, so keep your eye out for that. I will be dropping one in the near future. Okay. And Dylan, Dick Swing and Dylan Mulvaney, you are a mentally fucked up dude, okay? You can quote that from the Realist Uncensored. <laughs>